Let's turn the headphones up. Check, check. Sounds good, all right? Check, is it good? All right. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Okay. All right. Um, how are we doing this? You got anything written out on how you want to go about this or... You know, I'm not a theater guy, so I'm not even qualified to do this. Well, I don't I don't know if I am, but I, I, I have done some theater in my life. Let me give you this. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so this is the introductory episode for um, TSVP Radio Theater Podcast. Right. We'll just talk about, I have my notes here about what we're going to do, and then we're going to talk about being here, and then we're, that'll launch us into discussion of this. Okay. Right. I suppose we had it coming to us because, in fact, we weren't as innocent as we meant to be. We were fed up with the way in which everything that came over this new magic box, the radio, was being swallowed. Anything that came through that new machine was believed. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. Welcome to TSVP's Radio Theater Podcast. This is our initial episode. We are launching this podcast to promote local theater here in Beaver County and Western Pennsylvania. My name is Kevin Farkas. I am the executive producer with the Social Voice Project, the producer of this podcast, as well as many others. You can find this podcast on the TSVP Podcast Network at thesocialvoiceproject.org. Joining me today is my co-producer, Dave Halawiko. Hello, Dave. Hey, Kevin. What's going on? Hey, this is, uh, you know, I'm not a theater guy, so I'm not even qualified to do this. Well, I don't I don't know if I am, but I, I, I have done some theater in my life. Uh, worked with RAC Theater in Rochester, worked in high school, currently volunteering at Lincoln Park Performing Arts Center in Midland. Really happy that we've ventured into this. I think um, it's going to entertain a lot of people. I will say our foray into this, it's true acting to a point, but it's basically the old radio show, the one that your grandparents listen to every weekend, the serials or the science fiction stories or even what was done with War of the Worlds. Think those type of stories. We have some great shows coming up, right, Kev? Yes, but, you know, it's interesting you bring up the old radio stuff because I happen to have right here in my back pocket a nice old-time radio theater montage. Let's take a listen to that. We now return you to Carl Phillips at Grover's Mill. Ladies and gentlemen, am I on? Ladies and gentlemen. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. I suppose we had it coming to us because, in fact, we weren't as innocent as we meant to be. We were fed up with the way in which everything that came over this new magic box, the radio, was being swallowed. Anything that came through that new machine was believed. And now we bring you tonight's exciting story, The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. My telephone rang. It jerked me out of one nightmare and right into the middle of another. Lux presents Hollywood. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The American Broadcasting Company presents... Lights out, everybody. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all games. Public enemies who try to destroy our America. Today's story... House of Fun. Adventure always followed him in his exciting exploits. So let's thrill once again as we turn back many years. Who knows what evil 
story, The Inventor of Death. From Hollywood, the Jimmy Durante Show. The makers of Instant Chase and Sanborn Coffee present the Charlie McCarthy Show. Hello, Tonight, the Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations, Coast to Coast, has brought you the 17th in its weekly series of dramatic broadcasts. Next week, we present a dramatization of three famous short stories. And now, let me tell you about McTavish's Skinless Weenies. Mmm. So that's what radio became. We annihilated the world before your very ears and utterly destroyed the CBS. You will be relieved, I hope, to learn that we didn't mean it and that both institutions are still open for business. For the answer to these human problems, listen in tomorrow, same time, same station. Time marches on. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, we are unable to continue the broadcast. Evidently, there's some difficulty with our field transmission. However, we will return to that point at the earliest opportunity. Good night. Good night, all. You gotta straighten out that closet one of these days. Really interesting, Kevin. I like the fact that you added Anchor Hawking, a local company, as one of the, you found one of their old radio ads that they used. It really adds a local flavor to what radio was like in the 40s and 50s. Oh, you know, that was the golden age of radio. That was really the first mass media you know, behind print, soon to be replaced in the 50s by television. But that golden age of radio, which you heard there in that sound montage, it was a vibrant, very active, amazing period of performing arts. In one of my many other jobs, I'm on the board of directors of Little Beaver Historical Society. Not last year, I think it was the year before, I put a vintage radio display up. And one of the things I did, I did just what we're doing with that montage. I actually took some of the old radio show intros and, you know, like Abbott and Costello. And it is surprising how many people are interested in it and sit there and listen. Because even if they weren't there when the radio was, you know, was popular, they've heard these old, and a lot of these people ventured into films and other things, so they know them, but they don't know those old shows and how it was done. This is the theater of the mind, and film with the visuals today is just over the top incredible, but there's nothing like the theater of the mind that you get through the old radio shows, the old, you know, the old sound theater. In the 40s, in that era, pushed actors because they had to, they couldn't see their audience. Their audience couldn't see them. So emotion had to be put out through the microphone. It's a different animal. I mean, there are some actors that can't do it. There are many that are very good at it. And I think we've, um, we've got quite a few of them coming up in our coming shows. So the Social Voice Project's radio theater podcast is our chance to present classic and contemporary and original imaginative audio productions, including recorded, staged, and live stream performances before live audiences. We're going back to what they used to do in the golden age of radio, perform before a live audience, but also to the microphone. So this is what, what we want to do. We want to bring that back. That's right. And we really hope to bring in some good Foley workers. And for those that don't know what Foley work is, Foley was, was named after a gentleman named Foley who created sound effects with 
everyday objects. He made sound effects for every ra- just about all the early radio shows because he could make a horse gallop. He could, I mean, and it was taught. It's still taught. Um, our, our friend Brian Cimini, who, who teaches at the, at the Pittsburgh Tech College, actually teaches a class or has a class up there on Foley work. I mean, you have sound designers now. They go in and get a clip on the computer. And, and they, but these people actually are on stage with the actors creating the sound effects that are needed for a show. And it's worthwhile just to watch them live on stage. Oh, that's part of the performance as well. That's I mean, right. it truly is part of the act, you know, to create these sounds from, uh, you know, shoes on sand and a little door jam, you know, the creaks and all that sort of stuff. It's really, you know, like I said earlier, theater of the mind. You know, we talk about this golden age of radio, you know, really the last major radio theater production really went out of business in the 80s, and that was CBS's Radio Mystery Theater. Right, which, you know, I, and I can honestly say, I listened to them when I worked night turn. They would be on late on a Sunday night or whatever, and it's like listening to a book, but we have sound effects, we have everything. It's not like a, a and I want to say there, there's a market for, you know, read books on the internet and stuff, but this is a true play done on the radio that you have to, you have to imagine, and, and the actors have to they have to really put that picture in your mind or it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. What brings us back to us right here, right now, this old art form, if you will, is podcasting. Until podcasting came along, there was really no oral medium out there except for broadcast radio. And that has really been taken up with commercial space of you know country music and talk radio and uh, pop music and so forth. But, you know, the old radio theater, non-existent in broadcast radio. So along comes podcasting, which now reinvigorates, you know, the putting on the headphones, listening to the speakers, you know, that whole way of taking in media. So podcasting is really responsible for this resurgence in radio theater. So here we are. We're producing a radio theater podcast in part because our technology of podcasting allows us to do it. And as more and more people get used to wearing headphones and listening to speakers, they will be more receptive to this particular art form. Oh, yeah. I I really think if you're taking a long trip in a car or whatever, with the way that the automobile now has the technology, you can listen to a podcast on your radio even. So if you're taking a long trip, this is better than an audio book. You're listening to a performance yeah, and the live performances are really the best, right? Because that's where the magic happens. The live performances, it's, it's really interesting. And I think the truly last uh, live-type radio shows, and they really weren't radio shows, were, were um, what was it, Garrison Keillor that did... Uh, Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was basically a radio show. He did it on stage. He toured with it, or he did it in his, ba- in his home theater. And it's interesting because you you look at those episodes and he had a Foley guy. He had the mics on stage. He did everything the radio shows did in the 40s. That's right. And that was wildly popular as as well and and, uh, all across the nation around the world. So what are we doing here? So we actually have a trial run this year uh, around these performances. So we teamed up with Merrick Art Gallery in New Brighton, a wonderful, wonderful gem in this county. One of the few places where you can find 19th and early 20th century art that is... Actually, 17th century art. 17th century, right? From the 1600s? Yes. Wow. Displayed in the old salon style of Europe, you know, with the pictures stacked vertically up the wall. And we also have a partnership with the Rochester Area Heritage Society. So those, both of those organizations have opened their doors to us so we can perform our radio theater 
at their venues. So this year is a trial run for us, and so we are doing a number of things. We're having a, our comedy radio show here in Rochester at the Rochester Borough Theater. Wonderful 180-seat old-school theater in the old high school. Fantastic proscenium. It, it, it's, just, it's just what theater was in, in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, and we have to bring everything, right? We have to bring the lights, and we have to bring the, the sound equipment and everything, because it's really just a shell here. At the Merrick, we will be performing there in the Grand Hall, where all these massive paintings are, and it's just a wonderful scene there. So we have a show coming up in September. That is our radio history show. And then in October which is really fitting around Halloween, we have our radio Halloween show. Oh, I can't wait for the Halloween show. I think uh, our, our host, Tony Lavorne, does a, a wonderful podcast for us, Legends and Lore podcast. Tony's going to host the show, and we're going to have some great horror stories and ghost stories. And, and we speak of ghost stories. We sit in this building, and just a few nights ago, we actually had one of the groups we have hoping to have on hand actually doing a ghost hunt in this building. And it was spooky, let me tell you. It was really spooky. We did some podcasting here earlier. We recorded some of the uh, local theater going on right here on Adams Street here. We'll talk about that in just one second. But then we had this ghost hunt that was, um, well, you'll find all about it because Tony's podcast is going to reveal the results of that. It's going to be interesting. Um, a lot of people will find it very interesting. And just what the girls from O-Pit have put out there who are ghost hunters, they, they think they found something. Yeah. So this year we have the comedy radio show. We have our history show, which is entitled Soldier Come Home, which is a wonderful piece that was actually done here in the previous year, performed at Lincoln Park. We're going to perform this also at Merrick Art Gallery. Soldier Come Home is an interesting story. It was taken from actual letters from the Civil War from a gentleman to his wife and his family. Frank Wicks, who was the author of it, it was his great-grandparents. They found the letters in the attic of the family homestead. And he had 40-plus years in theater, and he thought, this would be a great show. And, and it really is. And it, re and it lends itself wonderfully to the idea of a radio show. And the letters are read by the cast on stage back and forth. Um, they're in character. For the viewing audience that will be there, they'll be in, in costume, and we will have some, you know, some special effects, and we will be doing live Foley and, and some other things. But for the people that listen to it online or in a podcast format, it will come across wonderfully because it can be done with no costumes, no scenery, no anything. It's just a family story of the Civil War, and it's a great play. It's very heartfelt, and that, and that's, that really comes across... Uh, you know, on the microphones. And we actually recorded this earlier this year. So we had the live show at Lincoln Park. We recorded it earlier in the spring. And now we are doing a live performance as part of our podcast series coming up in September. And we mentioned in October around Halloween, we will have our Halloween radio show, which we entitled Ghost Tales with Tony Lavorna, who's the host of this. And we will have some local actors share some haunting stories. It's going to be just wonderful. Well, I know we also like we're talking about having some, some vendors and things. I know OPIT's going to probably be here, which is the Ohio Paranormal Investigation Team. I mean, there, there's a couple guys in it, but mostly this mostly all female team. They travel all over the country looking for ghosts. It just couldn't be better to have some light fare to eat, to have a cocktail, 
Uh, we'll have a bar here, we, you know, as part of the ticket price. Um, this is going to be a wonderful destination, these shows. Right. And, and it's something different. Um, yeah, you have, you know, you have Halloween shows and you have haunted houses and haunted trails. This is a little different. This is something that hasn't been done locally, probably, that I can ever remember. Yeah, you know, in, in Pittsburgh, there's the Breaker Lodge Theater, which uh, they do radio perf- type performances as well. But there's really not a lot of this going on. A lot of uh, performing arts groups, they may have a radio type show, maybe once a year, once every other year. Our act, for example, here we have a wonderful podcast with Our Act Theater Productions. Uh, you can find that on the Social Voice Project website as well, called Our Act Theater Productions Podcast, where we actually profile some of their shows. We talk to their actors, we talk to their directors, and so forth. And they do a radio show every year around Christmas time, and that is a, a charity event performed over at the Merrick Art Gallery. They've been doing it for how many years, Dave? 10, 15 years, probably. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a while. They do some shows that are already in the radio show format. I think this year's show is actually being adapted to the radio show format from their, one of their actors and, and writers, uh, Larry Spinnenweber, who is a, is a wonderful writer. He will adapt um, the show they're doing to the radio show format. They do all their own Foley work. It's a wonderful, wonderful Christmas tradition for a lot of people. A lot of people see it every year. Yeah, yeah. We actually recorded two of the radio shows there. Last year was all out. We provided the sound and we provided recording. We live streamed it to the internet. It was really a wonderful time. So our act is one of the groups that, you know, we, we just have reached out to and we support, you know, through our technology of podcasting. There's another group, though, that we are supporting as well. And we are recording this now in uh, the Rochester Old High School, right next to the theater, right. where the Center Theater Players will be performing this week. Uh, this is a remarkable play. I mean, it's, it is like chaos, but it's controlled chaos. It is wonderful. It's controlled chaos, and it's if, if you're outside the theater while it's going on, there actually aren't any dressing rooms, so they've taken over the mayor's chamber and numerous offices in the borough building here, and you have people running to get changed, and you have, it's, like Kevin said, it's controlled chaos, and how they do a full-blown musical with this chaos, I have no idea, but wonderful singing, uh, wonderful acting, some great local actors. And you know what? Let's listen to some of the performance right now. Good evening and welcome. A very warm welcome to all of you in this most thrilling of evenings here at the Music Hall Royale. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have the privilege of presenting for your approval the premier performance of The Mystery of This being a musical with dramatic interludes. Now, as you are no doubt aware, our own Mr. Charles Dickens was full halfway through the creation of the greatest mystery novel of our time when he committed the one ungenerous deed of his noble career. He died. <laughs> Leaving behind not the slightest hint as to the outcome he had intended. Tonight, however, in full view and with your guidance, we shall together solve, resolve, and conclude the mystery of Edwin Drew. Now, how shall we accomplish this, you may well ask. More appropriately, how shall you accomplish this? Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you stand in place of our offer. And when together we reach that point in our story, when Charles Dickens wrote no more, 
I shall be asking you to vote upon key questions regarding the outcome of our plot. Our company will then make its most supreme effort to meet this challenge, to contrive an ending in accordance with your specifications. So, let's all get as vulgar and By the way, the gentlemen among you who arrived alone this evening and require companionship through the final curtain, or beyond, you need only speak to our stage manager, Mr. James Throttle, whose pleasure it is to see to it that you need never be lonely again. I'll fix you up later, sir. Oh, look, Jim. This one needs fixing now. His tongue's hanging out. Oh, oh my mistake! It's merely his pink necktie. <laughs> oh, and gentlemen, please do remember... These sparkling and vivacious ingenues are not salaried employees. So we do ask that you contribute generously towards the cost of their theatrical studies. And remember, all goods are to be returned by tomorrow morning. Nonetheless, aware. Thank you. So then, let us proceed with this evening's bill of fare. For the first time ever, the complete musical rendition of the mystery. That's really something. That is just uh, all over the place. And uh, so we recorded this um, a few nights ago. We were up in the balcony and we hung a microphone out there and we, we captured some of that there. So this is described in the brochure as a wildly warm-hearted theatrical experience at the Music Hall Royale. This is actually, uh, Dickens wrote this. Yes. And he, and he died. It was an unfinished book that Dickens wrote, and somebody had the great idea of making a play out of it. I can honestly say, and I'm a theater person, I've never seen this show, but I have read about it. And they make, the audience actually makes the choice of how the ending goes. If you're in the audience, they ask you, how should this end? Yeah. The cast has to learn multiple endings because they don't know from night to night what the audience is going to pick. Wow, what a challenge, huh? What yes, a challenge. Very. You know, I mean, what we do with just being on stage with a microphone, that seems so simple compared to what they do. And, you know, we were so lucky that we actually talked to two of the cast members, two of the leads, as well as the technical director here. We talked to Jason Swagger, Lainey Bailey, who actually plays the character of Edwin Drood. Now, she's female. The character of Edwin Drood is always played by a female actor, which I find interesting, and I'm probably going to see the show 
just to find out why a female actor plays the lead. So, you know, this this play with the costumes and the set and, you know, the lighting, uh, there's an orchestra here. I mean, it's really a technological wonder. And that's really all due to Alex Andres, who's the technical director. And uh, so we had a wonderful chat with, with Alex about the play. From what I understand, Alex is one of the original members of Center Players. Um, he's been with them for as long as as they've existed. So from, from the very beginning, right? So I mean, he knows he knows what Center's done in in there, and and he really, I mean, he really thinks that this show is is a wonderful show. My name is Jason Swagger. I grew up in Beaver. I went to Point Park College. Uh, from there, I went on to do shows in Pittsburgh. Then I joined the cast of Nickelodeon's A Rugrats Live Adventure, and we toured all over the world. We played Radio City Music Hall. We uh, went over to Europe. We were in Scotland. We were in Dublin, Ireland, doing a live version of this cartoon. Then I hosted Double Dare for uh, Nickelodeon on the All That Music and More Festival. I was on tour with Nick Cannon, Keenan Thompson from SNL. We were all on tour together, touring around the country, doing this uh, big festival for kids. Um, came back, started to teach back here in Pittsburgh, and reconnected with uh, Miss Sandy Regal, who I started with in theater, and have been doing shows for her for the past couple years. And this year, of course, we're doing The Mystery of Edwin Drood. Uh, and I am playing Clive Paget, who then plays John Jasper. So how this works is we're at the Theatre Royale and a group of actors gets together to do a show. And they, they'll do a different show maybe every, every night or every week. And the show they've decided to do tonight is The Mystery of Edwin Drood, which was Charles Dickens' last novel that he never finished. So he died before he had completed it. So there's no ending to it. So really, there's no ending to the musical. We, uh, we have the audience decide who the lovers are, who the murderer is in the show, which actually makes it difficult for us, but fun for the audience. So uh, Clive Paget in the show is uh, kind of the womanizer character. Um, he believes that all the ladies love him. And then he plays John Jasper, who is this this two-sided choir master and you'll notice in the show everyone has a couple different sides to who they are by day he he teaches music lessons vocal lessons he runs the choir and by night he has a darker side to him um, he does fall in love with one of his students but you have to come see it to see what happens with that or decide for yourself at the end of the show what happens with that but that's who Clive Paget and John Jasper are in the show the challenges well creating two different characters actually I would have to say three different characters because I've got Clive Paget who's this kind of suave actor then I've got John Jasper who's um, got like I said two sides to him so I have to play the lighter side of John Jasper but then this dark ominous evil side to him and vocally the show is a huge challenge um, I love the music Rupert Holmes wrote it. People will know him from the um, the song's called Escape. We know it as the Pina Colada song. He actually wrote that song and then decided he was going to write a musical and wrote what I feel to be one of the greatest musicals ever written. So the music itself is a challenge. The endings are a challenge. We have to learn so many different possible endings to the show depending on how the audience votes. And we have to be ready every night with our lines and our songs for each particular ending. So those are the challenges involved with Mystery of Edwin Drood.
please come see it. It's a lot of fun. I have been dying to do this show since I saw it at the Pittsburgh Playhouse back in 1989. And this has been a dream role of mine. And you will have a ton of fun. If you've never heard of the show, don't worry about it. You will leave loving this show. My name is Lainey Bailey. Uh, I am portraying the actress Alice Nutting, who uh, is the guest artiste at the Music Hall Royale. She is London's leading male impersonator, so she actually portrays the character of Edwin Drood in the show. Um, She's a lot of fun. She's a big diva. You know, things have to be her way or the highway. Um, And then getting to perform as Drood, I just, I thoroughly enjoy that character. I've been wanting to play a male character for, gosh, years. It's such a privilege to actually be able to do this. Um, There's a lot that you have to study with the physicality of them. Men walk differently than women do. You have to do different hand gestures. Men don't often talk with their hands, like, all splayed out and... Uh, stuff like that. So it's a lot of like closed hands, fists. Um, so a lot of that is is really fun. I love a good challenge and that's definitely what this show has been for me. It's also a joy just to perform this because the music is just enthralling. Um, I think that Rupert Holmes just hit it perfectly the first time and didn't have to keep pushing for anything else. I've been performing for gosh, since I was in fifth grade. We did The Little Mermaid as our uh, big fifth grade performance. That was the big thing in elementary school. When you got to fifth grade, you got to do a big show, and I got to play Ariel. And of course, since then, I've always had the theater bug. I actually went to the Lincoln Park Performing Arts Charter School for high school. Um, I did a lot of shows there, mainly straight theater shows there, like just plays, not a whole lot of uh, singing and dancing with that. Um, And then I went to Seton Hill University and got my BFA in musical theater. Um, And I did a lot of straight plays there. And since I've graduated, I've actually done way more musical theater than I've actually done straight plays. So it's I've been very blessed in uh, the roles that I've gotten to have. I've gotten to do things uh, from like Ursula Merkel all the way to Edwin Drood. So it's been just uh, a, a great ride so far and hopefully many more roles in my future. Please come and see our show. You will not be disappointed. It is a wonderful interactive theater piece. You don't often go to the theater and have the uh, cast come out into the audience and interact with you and talk with you and make you part of the show. It's very seldom that you have shows like that. So you definitely want to get in on that while you can. I'm uh, Alexander Andres. I'm the technical director for Center Theater Players. Uh, I've been involved with Center Theater Players from its inception and off and on. Uh, I was actually... uh, started as uh, Henry with their very first production as uh, for the Fantastics. As things went along, I uh, started building sets, and uh, it's a community theater, so the actors are responsible for helping out with uh, the set building and every aspect of the show and community theater. So I uh, kept building sets and building sets, and before you know it, they kept giving me more and more responsibility, and somehow I became technical director. I grew up in uh, Center Township, and I graduated from Center, and I now live in Beaver, well, Center Theater Players uh, a few years back got uh, involved with the Rochester Municipal Theater, and we've made it our home now. We've been doing a lot of renovation projects. We've actually uh, filed for uh, and, and received the 501c3 uh, charity status for Center Theater Players. Um, so now we're in the full fledge of uh, not only putting on production, but actually restoring the theater. And if you've seen the theater, it has a big 30-foot uh, proscenium archway, and it's a very lovely theater. One of the drawbacks with the theater is it has this big high archway, but it's 13 feet from the back wall to the front of the stage. 
there's not much depth through to the stage. So we're kind of limited to unit sets where there's not a lot of room backstage to have large set pieces. So Mysteries of Edgar Groove works out well because you can use it as a unit set. That's what we did. We built from the ground up. We have a double-decker uh, flat that... Uh, we have uh, doorways and balconies, and then uh, we have a back wall that we just filled with picture frames, and we went 16 feet in the air hanging signs and drapery and ribbon. So once you enter the stage, it's pretty impressive. I always like to say as a technical director, you know, the show starts the minute you walk into the door, and there's no curtain. So you, the first thing you see is that set. You know you're going to see good acting. You know you're going to hear good singing. You know you're going to see great dancing. So we can't disappoint on the sets. The bar has been raised very high for us, so and, and so we enjoy that challenge. Oh, can I add one more thing? Um, as a technical director, I get a lot of credit for the way the sets look and the, and how, how everything was built. But uh, the fact is, it's uh, it's a communal effort. There is so many guys and, and women involved with uh, getting the picture frames, getting the, uh, the things painted. I'm, I'm just kind of the guy that organizes stuff, and, and uh, I'm glad to take the credit, but it really the credit does not go to me. The credit goes to so many people that work behind the scenes that a lot of them are not even really associated with the, the theater at all. They just uh, they just want to help out. They want to be part of the community. They want to do something good, and, and uh, they'll come see the show, and I, I hope they'll be proud of more people. So the Center Theater Players, you know, they started performing community theater back in the 80s, and they originally played out of Penn State Beaver, the campus there. And then they moved here to the Rochester Borough Theater in 2015, and they did a, an amazing job painting, redoing the flooring, the seating. Right. I, I actually, I've seen some of their pictures that when they moved in here, this place was really, and I hate to say it, it was a dump. It had been neglected for many, many years. You walk into the theater now, the seats are beautiful. Uh, the proscenium has been painted back to its glory. It's really nice. It's a nice theater. Yeah. So check out the Center Theater Players, um, their website, centertheaterplayers.com. We're really happy to uh, put a plug in for them. Well, Dave, let's wrap this up. Thanks for being here on the inaugural episode of TSVP's Radio Theater Podcast. We hope to have other producers of podcasts on this show, other actors, other technicians to talk about this renewed craft of radio theater. Every week, the fine audio sound recordists at the Social Voice Project bring you the best in local podcasting right here in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. What's a podcast, you ask? Why, it's like radio, but on the internet. Local history, community profiles, storytelling, performing arts, and theater. That's right, theater. In fact, tonight's presentation is being recorded live by the Social Voice Project, and it's going to be a podcast. The Social Voice Project, preserving the stories and voices of our time. Start your own podcast today with The Social Voice Project and let us do the recording for you anytime, anywhere. Thank you.